Minding your own business, helping businesses overcome problems and improve performance with Graham Knight and Richard Forkan. So next on our list is cash versus profit, which to somebody not in the business world, they'd be like, well, is that not the same thing? And it, it's absolutely not, is it? Because you can have lots of cash in your pocket or in your bank account and be completely unprofitable. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a mystery. I often get asked, I've made all this profit, but I don't know where it is. Um, <laughs> uh, is that to HMRC? Well, well, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a case of understanding that sometimes profit isn't sitting in your bank account. It may be, for example, sitting on your debtors list. Yeah. And um, when you talk to people about why isn't there more cash in the bank, debtors is a strange area that people don't want to poke too hard because they say, well, that's a customer and I can't chase a customer because if I chase a customer, they're not going to be a customer anymore. And you have to gently point out that if they haven't paid their bill, they're not really a customer. They're yeah. They've somebody who had, had the benefit of the service, um, yeah, not, but, not but they're not paying, although yeah. you've had to pay all the costs in delivering the service. Yeah. So um, quite often, if you look at debtors' lists and just concentrate on the old debt, the 90-day yeah. debt, then down. that can make a big difference to the profit. And, and you may not need to get all that in in a month, but if you were to get some of it in this month and some of it in the following month and some of it in the month, that might be enough for the cash to start to improve. Well, and it's a good uh, measure of who might be struggling as a client. You know, to, you, you keep delivering services to a client who hasn't paid. It could be an indicator that they're not going to be around for much longer and it, you don't want them to go down owing you more than they need to. That's that's true. There's a certain perversity there, though, that if you chase a company very hard for cash... You could tip them over the edge. <laughs> well, well, no. What so sort of money are you charging? Sometimes they sense that you might be uh, uh, oh, I see. to go oh, over the course. edge yeah. okay. and then okay. dig their heels in because they think it might be a debt that they can yeah, avoid. Possibly. Um, the, the, the flip side to that is creditors, and, and I know you and I speak about this a lot, where a customer perhaps has got quite a healthy bank balance in a moment in time and thinks they're doing really well, but hasn't thought about the HMRC payments coming up for VAT or PAYE or you know both corporation maybe, tax, corporation yeah. tax. So they're merrily thinking they're quids in because the cash flow says healthy bank balance, but they're not looking at a properly thought out P&L with a, a forward cash flow and they don't see the big bill around the corner that's going to wipe out whatever they've got in the bank and maybe more if they're not a profitable business. Yeah, well, certainly uh, managing your cash flow is important. But I mean, on the creditors side, sometimes you can negotiate better terms from your creditors. So yeah. you can say, well, we're spending X amount of pounds with you now a year. Therefore, we don't want a 30-day terms. We want a 60-day yeah. terms. And one case, one client is a 90-day terms. Because of the time it takes for the material to leave another country, get to this country, um, get through the docks, get to the to the client, and then be sold by the client, yeah. you know, that's 60 days. So, so to avoid that negative cash flow for 60 days, you know, the creditor, the supplier has agreed that they will extend the terms for 60 days. So you might be a week or two weeks, but that's all, as opposed yeah. to at least... Um, four weeks or five weeks yeah uh, it's like the saying if you don't ask you don't get really absolutely if you go to the the, the big people and get your suppliers list out of whatever you use sage or zero or quickbooks and look at the people that you're spending most money with and see what's the most advantageous terms that you can negotiate with them and build that into your cash flow and that, that will make a difference to how quick the cash goes out compares to how, how quick, well, quick it, it comes in. Even with suppliers, it's worth asking them, where's the discount as well? You know, if you, I've, yeah, I've you been in get, lots of businesses where 
a business has grown and grown and grown and given a supplier more and more and more business and they've never renegotiated the terms. And then you suggest that to a, a business owner and he'll ring up the supplier and say, look, you know, I've been a customer of yours for four or five years. How about a few percentage off? And normally they're very keen to say, well, I'd much like to retain you as a client, so absolutely let's talk about a better rate. But people at the coalface of their own business tend not to look behind them too often. And they, yeah. they, they're so obsessed with what they're trying to sell, they're not looking at their costs. Yeah, people will rush up to you and say, I've got a great deal, why don't I pay you? You're le- yeah. Yeah. You, you pay me less for what yeah. I supply, sadly. But if you ask, it, so, you know, it comes again, If it? you don't ask, you, you don't get. So, But the, the other thing about this, though, is also thinking of your um, commercial terms. Because I've worked with businesses where it was appropriate to ask for some money up front, even if it's just the material cost yeah. up front. And not everybody does that. So you can, I don't know, charge somebody 25%, 50% in some cases. Yeah. So if you're um, supplying a product to somebody, even if it's a consumer, it's not unreasonable to ask for 50% up front because they're going to have to buy the material in. Second 50%, or sometimes they, they charge another, whatever, 30% prior to fitting, and then after fitting, there's 20%. So when you're happy, you pay the last 20%. So looking at those numbers very carefully might mean that instead of having a sort of pay somebody at the very end of the job, yeah. you can try and bring some of that cash forwards as well. Absolutely. And again, look at the, what the competitors do. So cash flow is important, obviously, because if you haven't got cash, you can't pay your way, and then, then your business is in trouble. The opposite to that is profit and loss so that's understanding on a month by month basis what are your outgoings assuming you have to pay for everything you're consuming and and what's your income or your projected income and I've been surprised over the years the number of times I've gone into a business probably down the smaller end of the market where almost annually they'll get their accounts from an accountant Mm -hmm. and it's only then they realize oh I've made a profit or a big profit or a small profit or even a loss because they're not tracking it month to month and obviously one of the first things we do do what we're doing is try and put a monthly P&L together for a client. But again, shocking how many times you'll walk into a business and you'll try and document that. And a, and a business owner won't know. He'll have a rough idea what it costs to keep the doors open, but he won't know specifically what it costs to keep that business running. Yeah, some, sometimes there's a, what they call a break even, if you like. I mean, if cost of sale is just what you need to buy to make the revenue, your sort of break even cost is your labor costs and your overheads. And so that's your break even because in theory, if you didn't sell anything, that was the only cost that you'd incur. So it's a useful number to have in your head because you know that particularly as a business owner, if you're taking the minimum salary out of the business and then the rest is all dividends, then you have to make that dividends on top of your break even. Otherwise, you're yep. not getting paid yourself. Yeah. If your cost of 90K and you want to take 10K a month out of the business, you've got to do 100K. Yeah. Otherwise, somebody's going to be disappointed. And how many times do we come across businesses where the, the business owner is merrily taking, in inverted commas, dividends without realising that you've got to make a profit to cover the dividends? Well, that's where the cash comes in because they'll see cash in the bank. So there's no problem me taking yeah. 10K this month yeah. uh, and next month and the month after, yeah. even though the profitability doesn't support that payment. And yeah. then surprise, surprise, in a few months' time, that's going to be reflected in, in, in the cash. And HMRC come knocking. Yeah. It's probably interesting or worth saying HMRC over the last year or two with the pandemic have been really accommodating, haven't they, from what I can make out with clients who've who've struggled a little bit because of the pandemic. Yeah, I, I, I've I actually, in 17 years, I've always found them accommodating. I, I think what well, HMRC, they don't like to be lied to and yeah. they don't like people to be taking the mickey. 
So if you ever phone up and you can genuinely show that you're not where you're expected to be and you offer this payment and a time to pay arrangement and you make those payments, then I've always found them very straightforward to deal with. I think where where their suspicion comes in is when they go to those lengths and then the time to pay arrangement stops after three months and then people try and claim another one and then extend the time. That's when they start to get a reputation for not being as um, accommodating, for example. But I think as a, a first approach, if you really can't pay your VAT bill, I mean, offer some of it. I mean, if you've got a 60K VAT bill, yeah. you can't need suddenly 60K all at once. So say, well, look, we'll pay 20 and then pay 20 the next month and yeah. 20 the next month because we're still waiting for this money to come in. Yeah. I think that the, the point there is, is talk to them, isn't it? Don't. Yeah. You know, whenever you get, I don't know, you'll say going to a new, a new business, sometimes you might be struggling and they're, they're afraid to talk to HMRC because they think the world's going to come down around their ears. But actually, as you say, they're, they're more interested in keeping the business going if at all possible they've got because more, it's a future revenue. Absolutely. But, you know, they're going to miss out on corporation tax. They're yeah. going to they're be paying out people's, um, you know, being out of work. They're not getting employers NI. So they've got all the interest to keep the business going, but yeah. they're not if it means that people are just siphoning out money and um, and they're not going to see any of it, then clearly that's not going to... Uh, not going to float their boat. So, so the other interesting thing with cash flow is if you're lucky enough to be running a business where demand is strong and you can see a growth path, so you, you as we talked in another podcast about planning, you, you build your business plan and you think, right, I've got strong proposition here, I've got a really demanding marketplace. It's how you grow the business and how you invest in it without running out of cash. So again, financial planning and cash flow forecast hugely important there to work out what you can pump in in terms of new staffing and yeah. new, new products, new equipment without running out of cash. So you could be actually growing your business really, really well and thinking the world is, is a great place and then suddenly you run out of cash and, and it all comes down around your ears. You can't do cash flow planning unless you put assumptions into your spreadsheet. Yeah. So for me, cash flow, at the end of the day, you have the budget, you track against the budget, but cash flow is the sense check that if you all these assumptions that you've put in your cash flow are true this is where you're going to end up yeah and that will show you whether you're going to end up in a better place or, or a worse place so yeah. so most businesses I'm working with attract six months they've got 200 grand in the bank this month if you put all the numbers in what does that say they're going to be in six months time now is that number more than 200 in which case they're not hemorrhaging cash if it's more, then obviously the cash is building. So as long as you put everything in it, then it sends checks whether you're going to be in the right place in, in six months' time. Yeah. So the important thing is that it, it really is the final test as to whether you're running a viable business. Now, the other thing um, I suppose we should mention is, is factoring. Yeah. People don't like factoring. It's got a bit of a, a dirty reputation. I've worked with several businesses that factor. If they didn't factor, they wouldn't be in business today. Yeah. One company grew from nothing to 10 million turnover and the owner always said, if I didn't factor, I wouldn't be where I am today. Yeah. So as long as you accept that it comes at a cost yeah. and you've factored that cost into your business plan and your budget, then there's no reason why you shouldn't use factoring because it, it means that as soon as you raise the invoice, that cash is in your bank within 24 hours. And as long as you get paid within three months, then the bank won't come back at you and ask for that money to be returned back to them. So it, it, if you're a, a growing business, what you really want is you've got to grow by buying the materials this month for a bigger revenue next month. And you don't want to have to wait for last month's people to pay you before you buy that material. Yeah. 
So basically it keeps you one step ahead. And most factoring now is more flexible in that you, you don't have to all factor, you can part factor, so you can put the big invoices through factoring and maybe the smaller ones you don't. That reduces your cost on, on the facility, for example. You've got less interest that you're paying. I've got two clients who've weaned themselves off factoring eventually, but I've still got two clients who use factoring and rely on factoring. Yeah. I wouldn't suggest they come off factoring until their finances have improved to such a point that they can avoid the need and, and therefore avoid the cost. It's an interesting tool about banks with the emergence of new startups in the banking industry over the last five or six years. You've got some really interesting approaches to the market where banks for the first time, certainly in my lifetime, have been taking an approach where they act like they really want your business as opposed to the old school banking where they yeah. almost try and make a businessman feel like they're lucky to have them. So yeah. if I was recommending a new business to open a bank account now, I'd probably be saying go to a Starling or similar because they're a new startup and they're easy to access. They, they have a process that's very simple. You, know, you go to some of the old school banks and they really have a long, drawn-out, painful process to get access to, to their services. But it's interesting watching that marketplace move, isn't it, and watch it bend to, to helping businesses more than perhaps old school banks would have done. Yeah. I think uh, definitely the bank manager has changed. I mean, the old days where there used to be this mnemonic called Campari, which is what bank managers would use to assess whether someone could be loan money. So it stood for like character and ability and, and you know, whatever. Those letters stood for a word that at the end of the day, if, if you ticked all those letters, then you then you get the loan. I think they changed it to Campari and Ice after a while. But anyway, <laughs> it doesn't, doesn't matter. But um but the, the principle was you had you to You realise there's lots of people listening to this who won't have a clue what you're okay, talking about. Yeah, or even Luton, Luton Airport. Even. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's, it's, all, it's all changed. Um, I mean, the only thing is, of course, on cash, is you do have to review your costs as well because yeah. if you're carrying people or if anything is more than the business can afford, yeah. over time, that's just hemorrhaging cash. And yeah. you have to understand that you need to make a decision as to whether that's what you want to be doing or whether you have to make sometimes difficult decisions. Well, you also have to think about personal guarantees, don't you? Because most banks yeah. these days, if you're talking about a sizable number, may well want the personal guarantee. And then it becomes a different story from having a limited liability business to potentially losing your house. So you've got to think long and hard before you go and take some of the banks up on their offers for these. Well, yeah, and, and also, uh, um, you know, I'm sorry, in some cases you've got to make sure that you're not deluded because yeah. if, if you're just hoping the business is going to turn around and you're yeah. not doing anything specific to cause that to happen, if you just borrow another hundred grand and throw that in the business, you know, how yeah. long is that going to keep you going for? Absolutely. And what's to say that in four months' time uh, you're not going to be back for another hundred grand? I mean, this brings us back around to business plans, doesn't it? If you, if you can present your bank with a thought out business plan with some numbers behind it you've yeah. got a much stronger chance of number one getting the, the money you want but number two reassuring yourself that what you're doing is sensible because yeah. it, it may well be you, you put this in a document and work out the numbers and, and it might dawn on you actually this isn't something I want to be throw, throwing money after well it, it does focus the mind the cash when you look at the cash flow and, and normally it's prudent to put in a worst case cash flow yeah. and if you do it every month then you know that at the end of next month, you're expecting to have X in the bank. When the next month comes, you can test what you thought against what's actually there and tweak your cash flow parameters in terms of what percentage of debtors you thought you were going to get in. Maybe it should be higher, maybe it should be lower. Um, so you get to a point where when you fine tune the cash flow every month, 
you get to understand that if it says it's going to be minus 25, it's going to be minus 25. And if you haven't got an overdraft facility in place, then the question is, so where's that 25k going to come from? Now, you might be able to wiggle a bit in the sense that you, you delay paying your creditors or something, or maybe you try and get some people to pay you early or whatever. That's the acid test of when everything else has been evaluated as to whether you're going to survive or not is what the cash flow is telling you. Now, that's the bit that's the reality when, when it really hits. Yeah. Because if those are big numbers, and, and as the business grows, your VAT bill is 60 grand, 70 grand. You know, these are big numbers. Even I'm working with clients whose salary bill is 120K. I mean, some of those, when they were quite small, you know, you could almost throw a credit card every month to make up the difference if, yeah. uh, if you felt confident. But you, you couldn't do that with these sorts of numbers anymore. They're so big that you have to have that rigor in your planning. So the point here really is you need two things on a monthly basis. You need a profit and loss or P&L, which will show you, are you making money in terms of income versus outgoings? And then yeah. you need separately a cash flow, which will tell you, actually, you might have lots of money in the bank, but it's not going to stay like that because you've not thought yeah. about what's down the road. So the commitments and the creditors. Yeah. Or, or vice versa. A negative P&L will eat away at your cash flow over time to the point where you'll run out. And, and, and the cash flow will tell you when that's going to be. Absolutely, yeah. And how long you've got. So, you know, if that's, I don't know, no, November, the chances are you've got plenty of time to change all that. And by the time you get to November, it looks a lot better. Yeah. Um, because for some businesses, like professional services business, you know, people don't phone up now and say, I want a solicitor in six months, seven months' time. So it always looks bleak the further out you go because the revenue in the future is less certain, even for products come to that. So it's unusual to be able to say with confidence that you're going to have huge amounts of money in the bank because all that depends on the revenue coming in and that may be subject to change. People cancel contracts. Yeah. Some of the demand might tail off because of circumstances that we have now. So it's a risk. But but normally, if, if you're on top of your numbers, then you can tell with some certainty for at least the next three months and probably six months before you could start to uh, to have concern that it's so far into the future that it's, it's less reliable. And I think with, with things like Zero and QuickBooks these days, you've got no excuse really, have you? Because it's it's quite easy to pump numbers into a, an online accounting system that will certainly give you the, the basis for understanding what your business is doing. Yeah. And then obviously you and I use dashboards to then interpret that, but it's it not beyond the wit of most business owners to be able to keep abreast of what they're doing. It's just a question of forcing yourself to do it. Cash yeah. in the bank every month is one absolutely. of the KPIs, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and, and how that tracks over 25 months tells you things. Because the cash changes every month and the creditors change every month and the debtors change every month, I have another graph which is you add your cash then you add the debtors to that because that's money that should be yours yep. in your bank account. And then you take off what you owe, which is your creditors, and then that leaves you a, a residual figure. And if that is growing month on month, then your business is getting better. And if it's manufacturing, you may add stock in there as well. Yep. Because if you buy a lot of stock, you've got to reflect that somewhere. Otherwise, your cash may have gone down and you're not, you're not factoring in anywhere that you're better off. You just swap cash for material but the principle is does this um, suggest that things are getting better or things are getting worse and that leads into rejigging the business plan doesn't it what, what am i doing is what i'm doing profitable yeah, is yeah. what i'm doing the right thing for the market as it is do i need to change course it's another reinforcement that, yeah, that things are going in the right direction that's that's the thing and it's making educated decisions about what to do with your business next month next quarter yeah you can't be building up creditors or reducing your debtors or reducing your cash without that graph showing you that it's going upwards which is good or downwards which is concerning yeah. 
to get all the episodes of Minding Your Own Business automatically on your favorite podcast app, just click follow or subscribe.